0: Hello Masterplan world, welcome to our latest podcast. It is, as it always is, an absolute pleasure to have so many of you out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Masterplan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant and I focus on e-commerce, business strategy and marketing. Oh, and of course, if you have any thoughts about the podcast or um, various episodes or you've got any questions about e-commerce, then please head over to our Facebook group at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook or search for the ecommerce masterplan world group on Facebook itself. Uh, Join in and uh, there's lots of really interesting discussion there. It'd be great to have a chat with you all. Anyway, let's get on with today's special guest, because this is why you're not going to want to go and listen to Sebastian yet, but you're going to want to stick here, because I've got something very special for you today. We've got Gabrielle O'Hare on the show. Now, she is the content controller at Argos, managing the fifth biggest content production studio, yet fifth biggest content production studio in Europe, which produces all the photography and video that's used on Argos's website. For those of you who don't know, Argos is a UK multi-channel retailer that turns over in excess of £4 billion a year. Um, They sell pretty much everything from jewellery and toys through homewares and garden. They have stores in every town in the country and a massive catalogue of products that all kids in the UK, me included, have very fond memories of play shopping from endlessly on rainy summer afternoons. Um, Hi, Gabrielle.
1: Hi, Chloe. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Oh, it's great to have you here. Uh, I've just given our listeners a little bit of an overview of what you're up to at the moment with Argos, but how did you get started off in e-commerce?
1: Okay, well, my career started off in advertising, so I've always worked in in the retail space with retailers like Next, Pets at Home, The Cooperative, um, as an ad agency. And then about 10 years ago, I moved over to an agency that did photography and video production. And as soon as I stepped into a studio, then I was sold and I knew I never, did. I never wanted to do anything else. <laughs> um, the studio that I was working with at the time did a lot of photography for people like B&Q, um, Homebase and DFS. And really, it was just an amazing thing to not have to sit at a desk all day and actually sort of stand around on a set and look at and look at content being created. At that time, it was largely being created for catalogues um but obviously we've moved a lot more into content for digital so i've just followed that path through working from production working as a consultant in that space and then as you mentioned on your intro uh in the last year and a half working for argos to manage their job with your studio
0: now let's just quickly um no actually let's not let's carry on what you've just been talking about i was gonna say let's quickly clarify a few things about argos but actually i think everyone listening's probably got enough from my intro so um the production studio you're working in, I mean, Argos has some seriously big requirements for photography and video. So, can you can you help people understand a little bit about what fifth biggest content production studio in Europe looks like? You know, how many videographers have you got on the go? How many photography um, people are are at it? Photographers even are at it in, at any one time.
1: There's a uh, there's, the studio occupies around a hundred thousand square feet. Um, half of that space is dedicated to handling samples and sample management. Obviously, if you're going to take photography and, and create video of product, you have to have the samples in there to, in the first place. Um, there's a, a team of around 85 people who are there around the year that can go up and down. Um, sort of, there are sort of seasonalities um, that, that we have to deal with as well. Uh, most of the team are photographers and there's probably about 15 or so photographers and there's a, a 15 strong production team for video that would include videographers and editors as well. But the bulk of the work that we do would be in photography. So from a, from a content point of view, we are really looking at how we give customers a really good experience of the product when they shop online. So depending on the product type, you could be dealing with very simple shots that are just product images that give you different views of the product. So the front, the side, the back, you could be putting um, a product on a, on a set. So if it was a piece of furniture, you're building a room set so that people can see the scale and get some context for how that would be work. Or we could be creating a video that might explain to people how to open a sofa bed or use a, a blender, for example. So they're, they're the types of things that we're set
0: up to do. Obviously, at a massive scale. So that you've just touched on one of the things I really wanted to ask you, which I know is something which a lot of the listeners struggle with. A lot of people I talk to struggle with. They're like, "I heard I should be doing video, or I, I heard I have to do lifestyle shots, or do I just use um, use you know white background shots? What do I need to do to put the put it in front of the product? Put the product in front of the customer in the right way? What's that content that I require? And a lot of people get get quite hung up on. I must do lifestyle or I must do video rather than thinking about the product first. So how do you, you know, because you, you cover everything from Lego toys through engagement rings to full on garden furniture. So how do you and your team go through the process of deciding what content is required for a product?
1: I think you made a really um, sort of gave the clue away there, really. It's all about the product Mm-hmm. Um there are many, many different types of content that you can create and different styles of content, but I think before you start and you know it's a big cost for a lot of retailers, large or small, to consider to actually produce any of that. So really, the first thing that you have to do before you make any decision is to know your product and know that really well and understand your customer and how your customer is actually going to shop it. That really then helps you understand what type of content that you need. And I would say for anybody who is starting out, concentrate first on getting really good product images, to have something shot well on a white background that shows the customer everything that they need to know. And in the copy answers all of their potential questions about that, that product's features and benefits and how you use it to, to really make them understand what they're going to get delivered through the door. They're the areas that you need to get right first. You can spend an awful lot of money on, on doing video or lifestyle photography that's
0: not really going to get you anywhere if that basic product information isn't really strong. So it's, it makes far more sense if you've got a limited budget to get the photography every angle every shot and the, co- and the copyright rather than going into the video space. Yes, get,
1: get the basics absolutely right. I mean, we, and, our, and, and it's not an easy thing to do, and it's something that Argos are continually looking at. Um, you know, as you're bringing new products into a range, you obviously have to review that. But we, we have an example, um, I'll give you a nice example of, of something that wasn't right, mm-hmm. was a lot of hair dryers, for example, yeah. People shop and they really want to know what the wattage is. Buying a, knowing the power of a hairdryer is really important. So when we had a look at some of our content, you actually didn't see what the, the wattage was or it was quite low down. So a key thing that you might show if you're looking at that from a photographic point of view would be to show your images of the product. A really close up shot of the box, for example, where it might say 500 watts. But also to make sure that that's a key part of the product information, in either in the title or high up on the product description. So you've got to know what the important things are about that product that the customer wants to know, and make sure that they can get that very clearly from the from the from the content that you create.
0: So an example like the wattage on the hair dryer, would you also look to add in um, something like just you know like a little button that says forty watts that you put on each of the images, or would you? Yep prioritize getting that information off the box so it's kind of 100% accurate and the customer's not going, what if they put the wrong button on there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a question of logistics. I mean, some tools make it easier. Some e-commerce tools make it easier for you just to put a label over an image. So it's just another layer that might say 40 watts in the same way that you might put a discounted price on there. Or you can just do it in, in a camera or in the copy. So there's a, there's a number of ways. But I think what, you know, it's really... Having a look at that information and being look at it from a customer's point of view and see how easily accessible those key pieces of information are across, you know, in the way that you're presenting that product to the customer.
0: And um, a little bit of a cheeky question here Is there any product you've ever come across that only requires one photograph? Football. <laughs> <laughs> so there is one. <laughs>
1: Yes, but I did hear a story once with, an, with a with a retailer that was trying to get more um, videos and three sixty images in there, and they hadn't sort of looked at which products they were putting forward, and they actually sent a football to be to have a three sixty degree <laughs> t- um, image <laughs> taken of it, which was rejected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> actually, that brings me into it into kind of another a slight other angle to look at this because you know you said deciding on what what you need involves understanding the product and understanding the customer and putting all the information there that the customer requires in order to buy. Is there also an element of um, uh, financial knowledge of the product that goes into this? You know, if you've got something which the the merchandising team are saying, well, we're probably only going to sell, sell 10 units and we only make 5% margin on it. Does that come into your decision of how much effort to invest in the content? Or are you purely customer and product information focused?
1: Within Argos, we are more customer and product information um, focused. But if I were going to be working with um, a retailer Outside of the constraints of that, I certainly would look at the margins and the volumes that you're likely to sell and also the lifetime, the life cycle of the product. So, for example, you might not have a low margin, but you might be selling that product for two years. You would probably get your money back if you did invest in the video, if you could establish that that was important for that product. So I think it is really prudent to consider what the return on investment is likely to be and have and invest in content that sort of matches against that rather than goes, you know, rather than is, is more than you need or more than you'll potentially see the benefit from.
0: Yeah, it's something which, um, especially on the time front, a lot of yeah. people I talk to struggle with. They, they assume they have to do all their products. I'm like, mm-hmm. do, do your top 10 bestsellers? Yeah. Oh, really? I'm allowed to just do the top Yeah, you're allowed to just do the top 10 bestsellers. So, and, um, and,
1: a, and, and you've got to learn as well. Um, and one of the beautiful things about this is you – you know, you, you, it's so scalable to look at how you do tests on a smaller level. If you are, you know, look at your top 10, look at your best sellers and, and play with those. See if you can get by with one image, two images, five images. What's the optimum that you need to do? Do, do you need a video? Does it actually make a difference? Um, Shoe are a good retailer, uh, as an example there. If you if you jump on their sites or any of your listeners, um, either now or, or where we've done this podcast and have a look. And they spent a lot of time really refining the, number and style of images that they used to, to 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 sell their shoes um and they one of the last ones that was added was added into the mix was the shoe on the end of the foot which obviously requires a model so it comes at extra cost um and probably would slow the production line down in terms of ha- how they were able to create that content so it would have been a more expensive shot and they were able to test that on a small range before they and established that it actually made a difference to the sales and the conversions, before they then rolled that out to all of the products. So I would say for anyone who's starting to look at, you know, look at the content, look at the images and videos that they're putting against their products, test. Start with the basics and then add on, add on from there, and really get a sense of what a difference it actually makes. And pay attention to your customer feedback and your customer reviews as well, because they can they'll be very quick to point you out when any information is missing.
0: Cool. And for anyone who wants to go and check out Shoe, it's, pronou- it's pronounced, it's spelt S-C-H-U-H. Um, and it's a really, really cool UK shoe retailer who is well worth keeping an eye on just generally because yeah. they do some really awesome stuff. Um, Gabrielle, within that, you were saying about how you might be considering video and that it, it's certainly going to be worth testing it. But what would you say are the uh, the catalyst to deciding to, to take on video or the things you need to have sorted out before you open the video box as such?
1: I think you need to, um, th- th- you have to recognise that there's maybe a limit to what you can tell people through for, through photography um, and to some extent copy to help them understand the product. And a good, good example of that is maybe tech products. So say TVs, for example, or sound boxes, things that when you look at them as an image, they're just black boxes. If you take a picture of 10 tv screens tvs they're all going to look the same Mm -hmm. and really trying to help your customer or your your buyer understand technically how those products differ from one to the other that's where a narrative with a video can actually really help you with graphics so you understand what the connections are you understand how to turn it on you might be able to understand where the speakers are and, and really bring a very unphotogenic product to life that that can be where video can work and um, another area where there might be moving components so for example a sofa bed so people can understand how to how to operate it and put it together and what the benefits of it are so they're they're the types of things another area to look at is the, the two different ways of classifying products or whether it's a sort of a commodity product something like a kettle that people aren't really that interested in mm-hmm. versus a more of an emotional purchase so sofas for example are a really emotional purchase they they're big, big you know they cost a lot of money it's a big decision it obviously has to fit into people's lifestyles and they and customers need to be really confident to make that purchase online that they know what they're getting that's an area that video can actually really start to help you if you've got very expensive very you know high-end considered purchase um that that you need a little bit more work to get across that's where video works very well so replicating really what that store experience would be and being that expert to someone and really guiding them through a product cool so so
0: it's the Boring products, we need to show differentiation, like the TVs. The moving products, which clearly yes. you can't show something moving in a in a still image, and then the the emotional or more considered purchase are the key ones to consider video for.
1: I heard a nice in um, comment back from some customer research um, that I did once, and that was suggesting that customers can trust video more in the sense that they know that photography can be manipulated, the colour might not be perfect. And they used to look at video because it almost felt more authentic and more real. Harder to fake. um, Yes. And that's, so you maybe really had a sense of what you were going to get by looking at video versus just some, you know, images that they're not necessarily fake, but they've been contrived to look at certain ways. There's a bit more integrity potentially with, with video. So again, you have to think about your own circumstances and what you're selling and how, what experience you want to give your customers um, of that product as well, and, and just think of the, the benefits of a video and what the advantages are over photography. But don't do it without thinking
0: about it first, because you will spend so much money. Oh yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> there's there's nothing cheap about video no. at all in time yeah. or money or effort or brain power. Um, yeah. And on on kind of that subject, is there what sort of uplift could people? expect from adding video you know if they're sitting there going right i could do a really i want, i like the idea of testing video for my products i would like i think to do it well it's going to cost me this in time and mm-hmm. money what sort of rough percentage uplift might people be looking at you know i don't don't expect you to you know expose um argos's stats here but is there kind of some kind of ballpark range we're we talking 10 percent uplift 200 uplift just so they can kind of do that PL decision making process
1: I, for, uh, it's, it's very hard to put your finger on it, to be perfectly honest, because it doesn't always, it depends on, there's, there's big distinction between good video and bad video, and whether it's <laughs> actually putting something into the customer experience or their understanding of that product. Um, I've come across many retailers, you know, big names, I'm thinking of some fashion retailers who used to do video and don't anymore, mm-hmm. um, because they didn't really see the benefit of it or maybe their platforms weren't set up in a way to benefit from it. So it's it's worth having a look round at some big names. Um, You know, I'm thinking of the UK market, people like um, M&S and Next and so on. But obviously, we've got people here from all over the world who would have different references. And it's always worth keeping an eye on what people are doing because that can tell you whether something's working or not. Um, video, if you do it well and do it at the right point with the right product, can put anything from upwards of 10% or more onto conversion. Um, But I think there's other ways to think about about things like video as well. If you, one of the ways we were starting to talk at it in Argos was don't just think about putting video on your product page, see where else you can put it within the customer journey to help your customer in different places and for you as a retailer to get more value from it. So it could, if it was a sofa bed video, for example, you could be sending that to people after they've bought the product to actually maybe help them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's different points within the customer journey um, that you can be providing this type of content to people as a as a as a way of retaining customers and giving good customer service, or even to help reduce the amount of returns that you may or, or after sales queries that you might get of a of a product. So I think that's more of an intelligent way and more of a future-facing way to think about about what, how your investment can work and what your biggest opportunity of actually making a positive impact throughout that customer journey or that buying process can be.
0: There's a, there's a business who've been on the podcast who I often talk about called Project Repat. And within their welcome sequence, so what they do is they cut up, uh, you send them your prize T-shirts and they cut them up and turn them into a blanket uh, and then send them back to you which is a huge, huge business model in the US. But of course, there's an awful lot of trust you've got to build up with the customer before they're willing to send you your 10 <laughs> yeah. favourite T-shirts to cut them up. Yep, yep. And within their welcome campaign, which is a welcome campaign, everybody should go and sign up and take a look at. Within their email welcome campaign, they have videos of what we're going to do with your T-shirts. These Hi. are the people who are going to cut your T-shirt up. This is what the process <laughs> looks like. And I think, think that's that's kind of a perfect example of what you're saying. It's it is. Let's look at the business. What's the... You know what? What are the things we need to get across to people, and what's the right solution for that? And is that video?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know, um, a couple of years ago, and people still trot out the same idea that sort of video is some sort of saviour, and it, it really isn't if you're not going to do it right. I think it really does need some finesse now as well. Sort of start things that we're starting to look at is you know don't just think along the lines of okay, here's a product, here's a video, done it. Get some stills out of that video. Create some GIFs out of that video. Put it in a few different places. Edit it slightly differently. You know, think about you might create one video, but see how you can turn that into 10 different pieces mm-hmm. of content and really, really get the value from it. That's the way to start thinking about things. Um, you know, think think savvily. I think, you know, you, you can't just do a video and expect your sales to fly. Unfortunately, there's no magic pill. Video isn't one, but it can be a really good
0: tool if you think about it before you do it. Excellent. So we're going to go into the top tips around very, very shortly. But just before we do that, I just want to double check what I've taken from from our chat, Gabrielle, which is that for anyone out there with their website trying to work out how to get that product information across, they should start with white background shots, really simple, easy shots, then try out lifestyle shots and then consider video. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Build it up. And I'm guessing that there is no excuse for ever using manufacturers' images.
1: Um, It's a tough one. Sometimes you can't get hold of the samples. Argos do it. Um, It's a nightmare. They they tend to be really poor quality. Mm -hmm. If you can possibly find a way of actually getting hold of the samples and creating your own image... Or working with your supplier to get better quality content, then try really hard. I think there's a huge barrier. Customers can smell a bad image or spot a bad image a mile off, and it really does put them off. And especially if you've got to mix in
0: manufacturers' content with your own content, then it's it's even it stands out even worse. Because there is a branding element to high quality content, isn't it? You know, to good to good product you, photography.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite surprising how bad manufacturers can be they really don't value the content. To shift it is someone else's job sometimes and they're just sort of doing the bare minimum they can do to just give you the pack of information that you need to support that product and they're really not invested any any real thought or understanding of the, of the customer buying journey into
0: that. So you'd do better to, to produce your own. If you can get hold of that sample. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Before we dive into the top tips, Gabrielle, is there anything else in the world of video photography content that you can't believe I haven't asked you? um no i think you've i think you've covered that off very well actually okay marvellous in which case let's go into the top tips Right. So I love this section because it gives all the listeners and me some more, even more quick ideas in the case of today and great tips for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Gabrielle, here we go. First up, your book top tip. If everybody listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend to them?
1: OK, my book is The Art of Shopping, which is how we shop and why we buy. Um, and that's by Simon Scammel Cats. I was it wasn't really written as it? it was written more as a retail book. Sorry, not a retail book as a, as a, um, a traditional about shopping in stores. Mm-hmm. But it was phenomenal and it made a huge impact in the way I started to think about how we position products in a digital environment because it really understood the psychology of people. And how they shop, and really, if you are selling a product online, you have got to be inside your customer's head. You've got to know where to position things. You've got to know how to communicate aspects of that uh, attributes of that product across. Um, and there were some real gems in that that really shifted my thinking from, you know, my own arrogance maybe about how things should be done to really taking a real customer first um focus and being aware of the subconscious that impacts the way people shop.
0: Excellent. I'm gonna to have to get that one and read it because it's not one I've come across. Okay, the traffic top tip next then, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
1: Well I have to say content. <laughs> surprise, um... surprise. <laughs> What, what we're realizing now is that you know there's a there's a huge number of channels that people ha- that our customers are shopping on and using. They're using Instagram. They're using Facebook. There's a whole raft of ways that we need to be aware of and put our products into those environments to drive traffic back into sites so that people purchase from us. Um, and and really, people don't think they tend to sort of try and just push existing assets into that social space that just really looks so out of place. Again, I think it's it's a really under, it's an area that's not matured yet, obviously. Um, but, but you know, you've got to find a way of actually being able to present your product, your brands, and put them in a way that's appealing within social media to drive your traffic. That's, you know, a given now. People want to deal in images and visual. That's something that we've all got to nail
0: it's like you were saying about making the most of the video content and turn it into 10 other things not just product video done move on
1: yeah or even think of other ways of doing it we had a nice one that came up I'll give you a quick example oh, a bit cool. of, um, that was looking at natural search so for example this is random that you would know that a big a big search term in uh, in uh, autumn is soup. Because people maybe come out, there's loads of fresh veg and people, they want to go on a diet before Christmas or whatever it would be or the weather changes and they want to warm up. So we created content around soup that sold blenders. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's thinking laterally about people's, you know, what are people going to search for? How are you going to jump on that natural search traffic and direct them to your page, to your products? So that was the way we started to create soup recipes for our guests. So people would come on and look at all of the products that we have that would help people do that. So think about natural search terms.
0: Very nice. Okay, the tool top tip next, there may be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day?
1: Starting to use Trello, um, which is a project management tool that users can join in and you can sort of list out projects and actions so that as a team you can see it and it is a little bit neater than just relying on email. So yeah, that's one to have a look at if there's a team of you working on on things and you want to just look at a different way of just managing your resource to deliver that, to stay focused on the jobs.
0: And so we often get Trello mentioned, and I think there'll be some people out there who've gone, Oh, Trello, it's it's not powerful enough for me. And they like, Well, if it's running Argos' content production facility, it's probably <laughs> powerful enough for you. Yeah, maybe we'll go quite that far, but I think there's lots <laughs> of small projects that
1: you need to use. And within a big retailer, you, your inbox is bonkers. How mm-hmm. do you sift through it? And I think it just gives you a place outside of that that you can focus on big projects or specific projects.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the underplayed areas of any project management tool is that it, it frees up the inbox a bit.
1: Yes, and that's the thing. and keeps you focused on, on some deliverables that you need to do that you can be very easily distracted from in the, you know when you just sort of let the day-to-day take over.
0: Okay, Gabrielle. Then the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them?
1: Well, it it goes back to content. You know, if you're selling any sort of product online, you've got to make sure that you are an expert in your product and you understand your customers, why they want it and how they're going to shop it. If you can do those two things, then I think that really goes a long way to setting you up for giving customers a great experience of the product that that should translate into sales.
0: And it's a skill or a a piece of knowledge that is going to serve you day in, day out, no matter how long your business continues for as well
1: never lose sight that you're actually selling something you know your 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 business is selling something be that be the person who knows that product very well someone to look at around that on a bigger scale is ao.com and mm-hmm. um, again another uk uk retailer and that's one of their, their biggest business strategies is to know their products and to make sure the customers really understand them as well and they sent all of their people to go away and become experts in their own products so they could sell them well and they could You know, they could meet the customer needs and understand what they are. And I think that's really paid dividends. And they're streets ahead, not sophisticated looking site, but from a content point of view, they're streets ahead of of a lot of competitors. And they're in the um,
0: white goods space for our non-UK listeners. Excellent. Okay, well, Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Uh, Gabrielle, before we say goodbye, I'd love you to let listeners know, not just where they can find Argos, um, but where they can find you on the internet, because... I know that within a week of us recording this, you're actually leaving Argos to set up your own consultancy, um, which will be in full swing by the time this podcast hits the airways. So would you please let the listeners know where they can literally get your help if they want it? Okay, thanks. Um,
1: Yes, I am going off to set up as a consultant. My company is called Digivox, and you'll be able to find that on www.digivox, which has got a double X, D-I-G-I-V-O double X dot com. Um, and I'm just going into work in this area that we've talked about today because I just know from some of the contacts and the connections I've had over the last couple of years that this is just such a big focus area for a lot of retailers now. They've got the platforms in place. It's really about making sure customers understand and experience the products and content costs a lot of money. And there's a lot of demand for content. So we need we need to be able to – there's a you know big opportunity to help people produce more content that's effective and it's done in a cost-effective way so they can control budgets and understand how it's driving, understand the KPIs behind content and how it affects sales online. So that's that's where I'll be heading off to, yes.
0: Excellent. Well, I look forward to hearing how all that goes. And um, I will add links to, to your consultancy and everything else we've talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Gabrielle, thank you so much for being on the eCommerce Master Plan podcast today and for being so incredibly generous sharing your experience with us. No problem. Thank you for having me, Chloe. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. Wow. Um, I hope that has answered because I know a lot of you have questions around video and around photography, etc. So I hope that's kind of answered a lot of them without getting into the techie detail, but the approach that even the biggest retailers are now taking both to make sure that their, their video and photography content is cost effective, but also that it brings in the results. It's kind of that two handed thing, how to create it efficiently, but also how to get the most bang from your buck. Because as, um, as Gabrielle said, you know, we should never lose sight of the fact that we're selling something. And everything we do should be about increasing those sales. It's not about uh, funding a nice video camera. It's about the business funding about a nice video camera. It's about working out what we need to do in order to, to increase those sales. So I thought that was a really interesting one. I hope you all found it interesting too. If you've got any questions um, or uh, other discussion points raised from this one, then join the, join in the chat about that in the Facebook group, which you'll find via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. And also, if you're one of our subscribers and you're enjoying the e-commerce masterplan podcast or anyone who's listening who's enjoying this, um, please do share it with your e-commerce friends on Twitter, Facebook, over a coffee or a pint. I really don't mind, but I would really love it if you could could share away and we could get this great content out to many more people. Um, Have a great week, everybody, and um, keep optimising.